Welcome back to the Relaunch Podcast. And I got to say, when you connect with someone and you have that, oh, we could talk about this and we could talk about that. And, and it gets so almost like what should be the most engaging conversation, not just for us, which we love having, but for everyone listening in. And I think we nailed it because so many people right now are struggling with kind of what's next for them after relaunches, after resilience, trying to build up resilience, trying to be motivated to really get to that next level. And sometimes it's just motivation to make something happen this week or even today. So I am super excited. Today I've got Victoria Peltier. She is an award-winning executive leader, a number one best-selling author, multiple books, everyone, of which I am so excited because she has Influence Unleashed that just came out, hot off the press. She is a speaker. She talks around motivation, leadership. She's been corporate executive, board director, entrepreneur. She won a very cool worldwide uh, kind of award from LinkedIn. And it was all around number one social seller, public brand and branding and getting your name out there and your company. I mean, it gets even more like there's so much to uncover here. She is a big advocate for DEI, the diversity, equity, and inclusion. She is born to lead, and I love this, and not to be led, overcoming adversity from a very early age has actually built up resilience. And we're going to hear how you can actually leverage the things that she has thought as she's kind of grown up to make sure that she can then become a mentor, a leader, a coach to those that are working with her. And I feel so fortunate that today we're going to be going into that because this woman is truly dynamic and unstoppable. You're listening to The Relaunch Podcast with your host, Hilary DeCesar, best-selling author, TV host, speaker, and 23 years as a neuro-business performance coach. She will merge modern personal development, up-to-date neuroscience, and ancient wisdom with a twist while using her one and only 3HQ method. Get ready to be empowered in your journey of self-reinvention and ignite your professional dreams. Each episode unfolds inspiring stories of remarkable relaunches, revealing the tips and secrets behind them. Join us in these conversations, offering you the insights and tools needed for your own extraordinary relaunch. Welcome, Victoria. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I'm super pleased to be here. Well, we have a lot to uncover, and I know that a lot of people out there, we get asked all the time, you know, what is the fastest way to get through a relaunch? And sometimes it's it's not as A to B, 
a direct, right? That direct road that, you know, it's kind of like uh, the yellow brick road. It kind of goes everywhere and you end up in like crazy places that sometimes you don't want to be. But Victoria, share with us at this point, one, how you got here, the relaunches that really truly impacted you and made you the person you are today. Yeah, yeah, happy to. I would be remiss if I didn't tell you and your listeners, Hillary, a little bit more around what I describe as my why or my purpose. And it's a big part of the story for me. So my ability to be incredibly resilient, my nickname is Turtle from my best friend, tough exterior, mushy on the inside, comes from- (laughs) That is so great. A turtle. I like (laughs) that. I tell everyone it has nothing to do with pace because I'm like, I'm the opposite. I'm, you know, the, you know, the rabbit or the hare in the story and not the yeah. from perspective. You know, I, I overcame pretty significant trauma in my youth. I'm born to a drug addicted teenage mother who was exceptionally abusive to me in and out of the child welfare system. My first few years, I'm fortunate I was adopted out of that, but in a lower socioeconomic home, uh, mom was a secretary, dad, a janitor. And my thought process back then of one being nothing like my biology and the roots in which I, where I came from, nor the circumstance. That's my fuel. My mom said to me when I was, I think 10 or 11, she's like, Tori, you need to do better than us. And she meant mm-hmm. education and vocation, but she didn't need to, because that was the fuel for me to sort of launch from where I had been in the challenges and adversity um, I had experienced that caused you know me to be this unstoppable woman who lets nothing stop me from, you know, getting, you know, uh, the goal or objective I've set for myself. So let me ask you, what age were you when you were adopted? I was four, four or five. So still fairly young, but having been so traumatic, I recall much of those first many years. Yeah. So you ended up getting, you were in this, this household. It ended up that you went into being up for adoption and how long were you, how long did it take before you were adopted by a family? Well, actually, Julie, my biological mother, although I was removed from her care many times, she ended up meeting the couple that ended up becoming my adoptive parents mm-hmm. at a bar, probably not shocking, although my mom was a writer for a music magazine. So she was in the bar, inter- like there to, to watch and interview bands. Uh, and so after several instances of abuse where Julie gave me to my parents to cool off my mom and my mom being the woman that raised me asked Julie to remove me. So I'm fortunate I didn't sit and have to wait for adoption, even though I was in the child welfare system, you know, uh, on a number of occasions, I had this amazing woman who asked Julie and the most selfless thing Julie could have done as a mother was agreeing to give me up for adoption. Are you still in contact with Julie? No, uh, she... I'm very different path I chose to go down. I mean, she ended up going to jail. She would call my mom every, like maybe once a year or so, either for money, but kind of to check on me. I saw her once when I was, I think, seven or eight, and she hit me in front of my mother. And that was the last time I've ever seen her in person. My mom picked her out of the house instantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she went to jail when I was 11 or 12 for stabbing someone. And that was it. I had zero desire to ever have her back in my life. And unfortunately, um, she passed away from complications from um, AIDS, uh, from whether from H- from her sexual use or drug use, I'm not sure. Um, and sadly, she and my mom both passed away within months of one another when I was pregnant with my youngest. And so uh, that's a choice I've made. I don't know my biological father. I know a little bit of Julie's side of the family and probably have a little bit greater understanding and sympathy for 
her youth and growing up now that I know my grandmother biological. Oh, so you have, so you have had an opportunity now to get to know your biological grandmother? A little bit, a little bit. I reached out in my teens and I didn't learn much more around Julie's experience under my grandmother and uh, later my grandmother, someone acknowledged it with me in somewhat of an apology, I think, uh, for her poor parenting of Julie and even just not being a great grandparent to me uh, as well. So you've obviously, I mean, with what you've just described in the first, you know, five minutes here, there's been a lot, a lot of trauma, a lot of relaunches that were happening in your life that, you know, you were at a very young age that you were trying to overcome with the best tools that you had being so young, right? Did you find that, or how did you find that you were, what was your coping mechanism? I, I wouldn't say I had a healthy way of um, being resilient early on. Mm-hmm. I had many other instances throughout my childhood. I was raped in my teens, a bunch of things. So there's like, I, I just got, I learned to be very good at compartmentalizing and to building walls around myself. Right. And right. those showed up in my personal relationships and they showed up at work. And so there were relaunches I had to make in both of those areas of personal and professional to bring down the walls, to allow people to know the true me, be vulnerable with people, um, be in, in the workplace, even that meant showing emotions because um, I was like all business all the time. And my coping mechanism, the healthy way was something I actually attribute pretty significantly to my mother. I remember her sitting me down for hours to try and be incredibly self-aware and reflective as you know, I got in trouble or I had emotions or something. And she's like, Tori, we need to sit here. We need to understand where does this come from? And so that, that self-awareness and self-reflection is something she taught me. And I didn't lean heavily into it until I was probably well into my twenties and early thirties. And, and then what, and what I've done beyond being self-aware and really reflective around the emotions or the actions um, is then starting to model the thoughts, the actions, the language, the behavior towards the goal I wanted to get to. That whether and that goal could be whether it's a fitness goal, whether it's like in my personal relationships, or it's something I've set you know uh, up for myself from a professional standpoint. That you know awareness, modeling thoughts, actions, language, behavior, and giving myself permission to fail, hmm. and then get back up again and anchor towards you know whatever goal I've set for myself. So it's really amazing because, you know, you you quickly throw in, you know, and I was raped and I had all these things happen. And this was when you were a teenager that this violent act occurred. At the time, were you able to acknowledge it or did you hide it? How did you get through that situation? I uh, I told my mom. So she was, she was aware and I, I didn't really talk about it much you know, for, from, from then onward, it took, you know, years for me to sort of speak publicly about it, but again, sort of work through that process. Um, I, it's interesting though. I think no, no victim should be blamed at all. I do want to acknowledge, however, that I think as a result of my early years of feeling rejection and abuse, you know, and how could a mother do that? It, 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 it created some pretty significant feelings. I, I developed very early, you know, puberty at six, I hit my height by the time I was 10, I was taller than my teachers, like, and so developed, flourished. I got a lot. 
Yes, yes, yes. So I got puberty at six. That's that's yeah, I remember, really. I remember my mom taking me to the you know doctor and the doctor like kind of peeking in my underwear and like it's like yep yep she started just really really early, and so I got lots of it you know attention. And for me, I think because I felt in many ways unloved and I felt this rejection, I learned quickly to leverage. And I think I saw sexual attraction as some kind of sign of love. And so uh, this was a date rape for me, but I put myself in some difficult situations. Again, no blame for victim, but I just, I reflect back on that. And so that began to, I needed to shift my mindset from there. Uh, I needed okay. to quite honestly love myself. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's interesting and I'm going to quickly look here because I, I'm, I want to mention something that there is a, a woman who just was on the, I think it was just this recent, and we talk about the Emmys and she specifically said, you know, self-esteem and it goes to self-awareness and it's not about everyone else. It's about you coming to grips with your own, this, this ability to nobody else needs to say the accolades or give you, cause you know, that's what you are. And as I'm listening to you, there's a, a deep sense of you've really done the work now to know who you are, to be able to accept it. You've, you've mentioned, you know, no victim, no victim, but for those listening, how, how does one take the things that people feel are happening to them and accept the fact that, wait a second, I, you know, I've gotten to where I am because they were there acting for me. Can you, can you share with us your, you know, you teach leadership, you mentor on all these great ways for people in the business world to move up and to be able to feel comfortable with all this. And you've done it with some of the most, you know, awful situations that we haven't even gone into a bunch of the other, you know, this is, this is only the, you know, the, the top layer here, but how do you, how do you coach people or how do you mentor them into saying, yeah, you had a lot go on. Lots of people have lots of different relaunches. Where do you even begin when people feel like they're just being hit from all different angles and they don't feel like they can get themselves back up? Consultants, because it depends and meaning it depends on the situation. Mm -hmm. It depends on the person. However, there, I use a phrase frequently around strategic intentionality for many things. I mean, you, I'll tell people you're the CEO of your life. You're the CEO of your brand, whatever I'm like coaching or talking to them on. And by that, I mean, you have choice. And so one of the, the biggest things for me in both personal and professional and coaching people is, you know, I, Actually, it drives my children nuts. I sign my social media posts with two hashtags. One is unstoppable. And that is that nothing is going to prevent me from achieving the goals or objective. So I do try and you know teach people to have that mindset. Challenge and adversity is going to come your way, mm -hmm. but do not let it stop you. Nor do not let anyone tell you how far or wide you can or will will not go. Again, you decide that. So that that's one. The second ha hashtag, the one my children hate, no excuses. Oh, my children hate. I love that you say that. Yeah, they're probably like, oh God, here we go, mom. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. And by that, you know, it's not that we can't deeply feel an emotion or have a reaction when something occurs. As I said, the turtle, I'm extremely emotional. I cry at, you know, Humane Society commercials. I allow myself to feel, but then going back to strategic intentionality, I make a choice in terms of how I'm going to move forward. I'm going to build a plan and take steps. And I tell people progress is one foot in front of the other. Like don't expect overnight success or achievement of the goal or objective. Might get lucky and that might happen, but it's one step. So let's build a plan towards how you are going to get there. But also surround yourself, as you said, you know, people who might be feeling just completely overwhelmed. Certainly utilize some of what I said around self-awareness, reflection, modeling the kind of thinking as well as the action. But in many cases, you need, no, sorry, in all cases, you need support. <laughs> whether that be from the people around you, your tribe of people, or whether it's for someone professionally. Like I, I would encourage, so I, I never saw a psychologist. I, I would leverage things my mother taught me, but unfortunately my ex passed away 10 years ago and my children you know, lost a parent through that process. And I had them immediately getting professional help. Let's deal with grief. How do we do that? And so I'll encourage people to find out what is the right solution for them in the situation and with their own demeanor. Like I, I've got an extremely high degree of fortitude and like strength and resilience to handle a lot myself, but for many others, find the support. And if so, professionally to help you on that, whether that's coaching for business or whether that's psychological support to deal with trauma and feelings and emotions that you have seek them out. Yeah, it's interesting because when I was going through divorce and I had melanoma and I was having some really tough things going on with business, I wrote about it in my book, uh, Relaunch. I decided at that point that I was initially going to use some of the more holistic. I went to an acupuncture. I went to, um, you know, just some alternative ways. And I eventually did uh, go to a therapist. And at that point, I felt because I had really looked within myself, there were some things that were like blocked that I couldn't figure out. I now know through neuroscience what was happening. My limiting beliefs were, you know, kind of supercharged into that, that lane in my head that you can't just cover things. You got to dig to the roots so that you can actually blast those limiting beliefs. But with what you were able to do, you, you you've talked about your resilience and yet you realize that hey other you know others may need it your kids needed it when your when your husband or your your spouse passed away what what are you thinking about yourself for those that are like well wait i'm gonna be like victoria i'm not gonna i don't need it i don't have to go spend time working with a therapist do you i mean what did you do that allowed you to not have to go down that path pretty significant self-help, not only through the tools that my mother taught me. I mean, I've been a voracious learner all my life. So I dive deep into topics. So I mean, yeah. I self-studied on a lot of things. Um, so that certainly helped me. And although I didn't pay a professional, I had people around me who offered some pretty significant support to me. And some of it was support 
in by way of what you know borrowing from kim scott's title of her book radical candor like some people who were radically candid with me you know whether that was on the relationship side and someone who said to me like you need to let the walls down to on the professional side in part because i became an executive at age 24 uh, and so some of it was my history. Some of it was being the only female, the youngest female at the table. I also showed up a very certain way professionally. And someone told me once, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable. And I learned I had the nickname as the Iron Maiden. Like that's not the kind of leader I want to work for. So I have done a lot of self-help, but I've had people around me that have either told me what I needed to hear and make me like sit back and stare much more closely at the woman in the mirror and recognize I've got some more work to do. And then others I've talked through. A big part for me, my people now that you know are my greatest support are my husband and my best friend. M many of the times I want to talk to them. I don't actually want advice. I just want to speak. That helps me you know, think through the process as well. So I still have people around me who support me. I'm just not paying them in the traditional sense <laughs> to do that. And you know what? That's really where I wanted you have this incredible network. You have the support system. So for those that have that, you know, utilize it for those that don't use the alternatives. And I think that that's what's so important. You have just come out with Influence Unleashed, your brand new book. Why was it time to write it? And what is the underlying message that you're hoping to get out? Uh, so I have one book already called Unstoppable. It's a co-authored book. And so when they approached me knowing that's like my word, my life's philosophy, that was like serendipity. So I, you know, had done that one a number of years ago and I had planned on writing my own book. I'm in career transition from a C-suite standpoint and I am not good at being idle. So I left my, my last employer in the summer and I sat down and I thought like, now's the time for me to do this. And I couldn't, so I actually have two coming out this year, Influence Unleashed, which just released last week, and then one on leadership and culture that will come out early summer. This one is on personal branding. So the subtitle of this is Forging a Lasting Legacy Through Personal Branding. And the reason I decided to write it is multifold. One, I am asked to provide coaching and provide keynotes on the topic of personal branding. And also because I recognized in this period post-COVID where it's, there's so much being done from a digital perspective, digital presence on online, there's lots of people in career transition. Sadly, I see them either stalled and only doing one part of what I believe is a multi-foundational personal branding process or getting it wrong. So I decided to write it all down on, on paper uh, and audiobook, which is my preferred um, method actually of even ingesting my own like learning through that. And so, yeah, so that one came out last week. I'm leveraging heavily. You, you acknowledged in my intro, LinkedIn ranked me as the number one social seller worldwide when I worked for IBM. So for top you know, brand for all of IBM globally. And so I actually started developing training when they asked me to do that for a fellow executive. So I've just taken all the stuff that I've been doing for years and put pen to paper, you know, voice. That is to, incredible. Um, I I mean, that is an incredible feat right there. And you said that you were 24 when you got into, was it the C-suite? Correct. I mean, that <laughs> you are unstoppable. That is so <laughs> impressive. And so what would you tell people right now when you're talking about branding and self-branding? 
what what is kind of your go-to message for people that are hearing this because there's a lot of confusion out there right now about you as a leader and the ceo or the entrepreneur of your business and how you brand yourself versus how you brand your business you are more than your title or the company you work for and this is where i see people stall or get it wrong they leverage just what they do, their subject matter expertise, the industry know, the function they're in, what they went to school for. But the reality is people do business with people they like and trust and want to do business with. So that first piece is the, the, the foundation. You know, what do you do? Yes, you need to be really clear on that and being able to tell the, you know, the ele elevator pitch of what it is you do and the industry you do it in or, or the company you do it for. But beyond that, there's a storytelling aspect. Who are you as a human? We buy and interact with humans. What's your story? What lived experiences are you comfortable sharing? What makes you unique in terms of interests, passions, values related to that? And sometimes they go very closely together. What makes you different from others? When you think about your audience who would engage with you and others that do what you do, find out what your differentiator is. And the last thing is legacy and impact. What do you want to be known for? for. So for me, successful in business, a ton of merger and acquisition, I've turned around businesses, that's not going on a tombstone. That's going to be one small part of who Victoria was when she dies. It's going to be about the impact I had around social equity and justice and making workplaces, communities in the world a better place when I left it than when I came in. You know what? I agree. And there are people out there that are saying, oh, Hold on. I, I like where you're going. They have a business that maybe isn't lighting them up right now. Maybe it's it's a means to an end, but not the end to the means, right? What do you suggest they do in terms of, you know, you, you move into legacy and does it have to equate to passion? I don't think it has to. However, I would certainly hope that it does. Where I've chosen to spend my time, it, both personally and professional, professionally, are the things that bring me joy and value. Otherwise, I don't do it. Or I outsource or I delegate. But what I would also say related to what you asked, Hillary, is I, I want, I mean, your audience to know you can pivot and change over time. Again, what I thought I wanted and how I defined success in my 20s, very different than what it became into my 30s and now into my 40s. And so I made conscious changes towards that. And also my my values and the things that were really important to me, I couldn't have articulated at 20 something what my legacy and impact was gonna be. Again, I, I, I viewed in hierarchical and compensation as success in, in my career, That that's not it. So that evolved and changed. And if you need to pivot because you were known as the Iron Maiden and you needed to show up very differently, that's fine too. But I, I, I laugh because I think we talked about this when we first got on. You said you were talking about the Iron Maiden. And I said, well, I was known as the pit bull. <laughs> I'm like, I, I think I like, I don't know. I think I like yours a little bit more. But yes, because, you know, you do have these identities, these labels that are put on you. And it's up to you to say, that's one that I want to own, or that's one that, does not serve me anymore as I'm moving into the next part of my journey, whether it's creating legacy. 
and redefine, right? Redefine what you want that to be. And I think that's part of the exciting where we're in our mid zone, this middle age, where we have the right to do this on our terms. Yeah, I agree. I love it. And so, and so I do, we, to, your question, to your question, though, around passion, I, I do hope that legacy will be connected to that. I mean, if you're familiar with the Japanese philosophy around Ikigai, so oh, what you do. Uh, <laughs> and so it, you can be known for the things you know, like the skills that you have that are highly desired and needed in a certain place. But is that what brings you joy and passion? And so I'd encourage you, I mean, earn earn money in a place where you've got skill and then there's a demand for it for sure. But you, this whole, so I talk about leadership and I use the phrase whole human leadership. I also said our brand, we show up as whole humans. And so I hope that part of what you're doing in legacy and what you're going to be known for are the things that are connected to passions and the things that bring you joy. So anything else you want to tell us about this new book? Because Influence Unleashed, is there, is there something else that if I could say, all right, in a couple sentences or less, what is it that you want people to walk away with? I want them to walk away with how to put together the foundations of a comprehensive personal brand. Although I do actually, you know, I talk about three acts of engagement. To do this and do it effectively, you need to bring three things to the table. You need to bring courage. I've talked about sharing stories and lived experiences, or maybe it's vulnerabilities. So courage, vulnerability, so people understand that whole person, and authenticity which is Merriam-Webster's word of 2024 is authenticity, but you need to also bring that to the table. And I talk about it in a way that anyone can do this. As you're, you, we sit here together and your audience hears me, they can probably gather I'm quite an extrovert. You can do this pretty successfully if you're not that far on the extroversion scale, if you sit further and you're a little bit more introverted. So I also talk about ways to do that with what I refer to as electronic courage, but in um, very different ways to engage. And I talk about a lot of people that people would know publicly that you might not have gone, oh, that's an amazing brand. RBG, for example, her brand. And actually, it's funny because so New York good. Times just published an article around um, the collars she wore. And I referenced that in, you know, in the book. And so just, I encourage people to think about it in different ways and look at other people to aspire that at strong brands. Mm. I, I think she is just incredible. And in following, I did a lot of uh, history and um, I've written, I've written a lot about her just from a, what she was, you know, the, how she grew up and her history behind how she turned up where she did. And it's just, it's, it's truly one that I, I believe women today, when you're looking to break down walls, there's so much to be learned from women that came before us. And she is definitely one that we can all, we can all go back and read the history books because it's really impressive. Victoria, I'd love to find out. I'd love to share with the audience, where can they find out more about you and follow you and hear more about your incredible insights? I have a website, which is victoria-peltier.com. And from there, podcasts, um, posts that I write, uh, the books, everything's accessible through there and they can link out to connect with me on other platforms from there if they'd like. Uh, so good. And I thank you for being on the show today. And one thing I do every once in a while, and I think it might be fun with you, is I love to ask the question, 
if you are going to bring one of your closest friends a gift, right? What what product do you love to recommend? It could be beauty, it could be fashion, it could be anything. But what what would be that go to product right now you're recommending? Well, my fav- one of my favorite brands, period, is Dior. Although I use La Mer face products. And uh, so I actually have given each of those things to my best friend. That's so good. Now, what about Dior? Is it their mascara? Is it their cream? Is it their, what is it? What do you love? Clothing for sure. (laughs) Well, I agree with you. And I Uh, love their, I love their butterfly. Everything butterfly right now that they have out there is just, I, I could, I literally for every single Christmas I'm doing, I'm even doing a Valentine's this year because I'm like, uh, Hey, what about us? It's like, what are you crazy? (laughs) But on the beauty product, actually their mascara builder, because I did, I've got really long, but super blonde eyelashes. And so for a couple of years, I was using eyelash extensions, which damaged Just beat the heck out of your eyelashes. So they have this great, you put on a builder first and then you put on the, 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 the dark color. So that's currently my fave by them. Okay. Well, we'll have that also in the show notes, as well as all these other incredible tips and strategies for building resilience and thank you for being open and authentic and sharing your relaunches that have made you into such a powerhouse that is truly unstoppable. And I'm excited to see all the things that you're going to be doing as you pivot, I like to call them relaunches, into your next big adventure. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. All right, that's a wrap for today's episode of the Relaunch Podcast. If you felt a spark, a shift, or a little nudge from our show today, why not leave a five-star review on iTunes? It helps us spread the word, so please share this episode with someone who could use that same spark. Make sure to check out therelaunch.com forward slash podcast for the goodies from today's episode. And remember this, right now is your golden opportunity to shift and relaunch into the life you've always imagined. Let's continue to build our own powerful stories of resilience and reinvention. Until next time, ready, set, relaunch.